passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Raw with John Pollock and Wei Ting here on Monday night, February the 19th. Hello, Wei. Happy Family Day. Happy Family Day, day President's Day, I believe, in the U.S. President's Day as well. Correct. Mm-hmm. Or just Monday. It could be a Monday and Monday for others out there as well. If you're mm-hmm. not celebrating, um, did you do anything for Family Day? Uh, yeah, kind of, you know, took it easy. We um, We went to the auto show. Mm. Which actually, any excursion with a um, with a toddler is anything but taking it easy, I suppose. But um, that was a lot of you know, it was a lot of fun. These aren't typically things I, I would ever want to like. I never feel like doing on my own. But everything's new, you know, with the child. So yeah, we we had a really good time. Okay, well, that sounds like a an enjoyable, relaxing day. I mean, I don't know so Semi- much about relaxing. You know, like okay. you're, you're I'm letting this kid kind of roam. As like people are, you know, like in the, in these big crowds and he, he doesn't want to stay seated in the stroller. Mm. So I let him walk around and then you just have to watch him really close. Cause he doesn't know exactly what's going on or where he's going. So, yeah, but it was fun. My daughter's figured out the, like the, um, music player in our like living room area. She likes to just crank the volume on this and it's just so loud. Like, Evie, can we turn this down a little? Put your headphones on. Just put your headphones on. <laughs> okay, then. That's that's the answer there. So Reasonable. Yeah. I'm you, at. You can change for her. I'm going to have to because if I hear this soundtrack for either Frozen or Trolls one more time, I, my head is just like I'm having dreams about these songs. Like they are so <laughs> repetitive and they just they'll listen to the song and it's not like we'll go through the soundtrack. It's no, it's like, it'll be the same song like 18 times. Of course. Yeah. I, I just mean, like, it's torture. Well, um, you should put I'm on ready headphones. for them to let it go because I'm, I'm sure ready to let it go. Mm, yes. Okay. That's the music front from myself. Well, we have uh, quite the week coming up. We have got, the return of Rewind Away this coming Thursday, where we are traveling to March of 2008. Way we are going to the Citrus Bowl. And if the question was, find something more painful than the Frozen soundtrack. Well, folks, there was a band called Rev Theory. 
WWE loved these guys, and they played their song no less than 35 times on this pay-per-view, and you are going to get your fill of Rev Theory. What was Rev Theory? It was 2008 in the form of a song. Think of every awful t-shirt design, every terrible $300 pair of jeans that you would scoff at in musical form. That's what this Rev Theory song was. Mm, Okay. The soundtrack to WrestleMania 24. 24, yes. Mm. Someone said this. This encapsulates this show, Mm. Rev Theory. So that's coming up. We'll chat about Floyd Mayweather's uh, sojourn into professional wrestling with the big show. We will talk about um, the men- the WrestleMania headliner, Jimmy Corderas, closing the show. And we will also be uh, discussing Ric Flair's career-threatening match, where if he loses, his career would be threatened, but not destroyed. This would be a, uh, you want a, car- a career to continue? You're going to TNA. So this is a tale of from Orlando to Orlando, the Ric Flair retirement journey. (laughs) You have to stay in Orlando if you lose this match, basically. You are confined to Orlando Mm. for the next uh, five years. Okay, that's that's what was at stake here. That was (laughs) and Shawn Michaels sending him the TNA. I'm sorry. I love you, but there you go. So that's coming up on, on Thursday, postwrestlingcafe.com. Because of Elimination Chamber, we will not be doing Rewind to SmackDown this Friday because Elimination Chamber, I don't know if you noticed, Way, but no matter what time zone you are in, it's starting early on Saturday. And mm. we are going to be going live Saturday at noon Eastern time on the free feed on this YouTube channel. So hit subscribe now so you don't have to be uh, searching for us on Saturday at noon. Uh, we will be coming at you and we will run through the show from Perth, Western Australia. And then Kate and John Cena will have you covered Saturday night for the Brian Danielson Junakiyama edition of Collision. And then the weekend uh, wraps up um, with a new beginning in Sapporo review from Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson. Now, is that covering both nights? Yes. Which will include both of Kazuchika Okada's final New Japan Pro This Wrestling is Okada's matches. farewell to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Career threatening. New Japan Pro Wrestling matches. Uh, yes. Um, or might be career prospering match, depending on on what happens with him. But that's all coming up this weekend. But if you want to hit the rewind button to Sunday night, we we thought, what, what can the NWA podcast aspire to? If you thought that they were going to surpass five hours, well, this was the month for you. February 2024, they did the impossible. They went... Five plus hours on Sunday night. How these four uh, have the stamina is beyond me, but you can go check it out, break it up into it's like meals. Okay. And they've got you prepared for the week or the month, you know, or however long it takes. Depends you, on uh, what kind of an eater you are. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's, you, you enjoy it at your own pace and um, it's, very enjoyable in any sort of setting you know some some might just sit through the entire five hours five and five and a half plus i think this month um lots of interesting discussion as always from the advocates okay so go go check out all of the all of their great work into the news we go tonight lee cole who we've discussed on this show he released his interview with a ring boy from 1986 and 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation. So the way this was structured, he had a co-host on and they 
sort of set the table with a lot of the background information that people listening to this will probably be familiar with some of the more specifics about the ring boy scandal, who the players were. And then about 25 minutes into the show, they start airing clips of the interview that Lee Cole conducted um, with this individual who is, did not appear by video. There was just a photo of him and just goes by Sean. They did not, he did not want to disclose his last name, but for some context, he worked on the ring crew beginning in 1986 when he was about 16 years old and he was in foster care at the time and stayed with the company until August of 1987 when he left to go join the army and he had several tours of Iraq. He then later became a police officer. And when he when he learned of Tom Cole's story, this would have been in 1992, he certainly was uh, familiar with some of his own experiences. So the it's, it sounds like they're going to be breaking this interview up. And it was a little like all over the place because you were airing the interview and then they would pause and react to certain answers as they're going along. So, and then it just kind of ends abruptly at the end and it looks like they're going to continue to roll the rest of this out. But some of the notes from this, first of all, like this, this individual, Sean, I mean, he came across like very credible, like just the, the details he had. I mean, this is someone that had kept notes of, when he was on the ring crew, like down to remembering a date of when he was, he happened to be ringside to hold the WWF title when they were doing a double shot that day in Philadelphia and then in Baltimore at night for a cage match between Hogan and Kamala. And that totally checks out. There was a February 14th show that they, they ran Philadelphia in the afternoon and Baltimore at night. And it was headlined by a cage match, but he had, like, it looks like he kept, like, contemporaneous notes of, like, his itinerary at the time, what what towns he was going to. And, again, he was he was in foster care and then links up and was, like, Mel Phillips was the one. He was based in Philadelphia, so he would get picked up by Mel Phillips. And they would, they, they would travel to a lot of the Philadelphia shows. And then he described... He didn't get into any like graphic details, but did describe staying at motels with Mel Phillips. They would stay in the same room and conveyed, you know, some of the accusations you've heard of Mel Phillips about uh, grabbing at feet, uh, pulling, pulling the feet near his crotch, sitting on top of him and at, at times being in his underwear around like this is like an underage, an underage boy and believed that Mel Phillips was grooming him and he mentioned the fact that there was a a well-known wrestler that had warned him to be careful around Mel Phillips. Um, didn't have any specific accusations towards Terry Garvin, but did say state that when he was around him, he felt nervous, had a bad vibe from Terry Garvin. And also was asked about, did Mel Phillips take you across state lines? And he said, yes, like he was in Philadelphia, but he would be taken to Baltimore. He'd go to New York. Um, went as far as Connecticut to the company warehouse. And I mean, this is where you're you're looking at, you know, the potential violation. Um, if, you know, Mel Phillips was taking underage kids across state lines and what was happening on the road uh, w w with some of these kids. I mean, it just kind of paints the picture for you. So, I mean, there is 
there are only so many of the ring boys that have actually gone on the record uh, with their names. And this would be uh, the third one, at least that I'm aware of, of course, Tom Cole, uh, Chris Lose was another one in 1992. And I mean, this is one we don't have his full name, but I mean, certainly does, you know, provide at least in, in regards to Mel Phillips. Um, and we, we don't know what, what more is to come from this interview that he conducted. So it's up on Lee Cole's uh, YouTube channel, uh, Wrestling with the Devil, if you search for it. And it's the it's the latest video. And we will see if this gets any kind of traction. I think that there is certainly a lot that can be focused upon with this early 90s ring boy scandal. But are enough people going to be connecting that with the current ongoing scandals of a different nature, but trafficking nonetheless? And like, I think if you are looking to paint a picture of of a culture, I mean, this was something that was you know, Mel Phillips at one time was let go by the WWF because of issues that they had heard about him with kids. And then he's brought back shortly thereafter with the with the understanding that he was going to steer clear of, of kids like that is a really like alarming fact that here was somebody that it's it's very hard to paint the picture that they did not know what was going on with this guy and that he was fired at one point in 1988 and brought back shortly thereafter i mean this was mel phillips is no longer alive he he died in 2012 but just a like a frightening individual that i mean i i think that there's we probably don't and will never know the the full extent of like the scope um that he had but you do see the these patterns among kids that had come from like broken homes and you know here they were being taken on the road and and god knows what was happening but we've certainly got at least enough details that it, it paints a very very just horrific picture you know it's whether or not this will um perhaps break into a, a sort of mainstream collective attention um I, I'm not exactly sure, but if there's a chance and there's a time for this particular story to garner interest, it would be right now. And at the very least, um, I think people that are looking to dig deeper into everything that's going on with um, in the history of this company's culture as it relates to sexual abuse, um, this is um, the time that um, I think people are at least um, in a position where they might be most interested and maybe most um i guess capable of i don't know pushing it towards some sense of justice if there if one could even exist yeah i mean it's you know a lot of the 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 key people involved in this are no longer around a- anymore i mean lee cole is someone he knows this inside and out um the story and it's a very personal story for him given you know tom cole you know taking his life back in 2021. Um, so like this is something that is extremely, you know, pressing for Lee Cole that, I mean, he just knows this inside and out and, and probably has a, a lot more information that he has, has not reported publicly out of, you know, confidence from others and, and what he has gathered over the years. But it's, um, it's an interview, like, you know, it's, it's not a comfortable listen. None, none of this stuff is, I mean, day in and day out, this is just, um, it's, it's just a lot of stuff that is coming to the surface or that you're revisiting with a different lens 
that you are looking at things in a different way now that all of this has come out. And I think a lot of people are sort of, you know, sensing that it's, it's a very, um, it's very hard to, to separate the, um, these stories from everything else, um, that are covered day to day within professional wrestling, at least for me. Yeah. Is it affecting the way you're watching raw tonight, for instance? Um, I, I would just say like it, to me, this stuff is overshadowing everything. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into it more on Thursday. Like I, I really had a hard time watching the, this WrestleMania show that we have to talk about. I mean, for advanced warning, like Ashley Massaro is on this card. It's like, um, you just, I, I don't know. I, I certainly can't separate the two watching and not, um, having that, that this, this feels so much more of significance than any kind of WrestleMania build or any of the stuff that that's happening to me, like this is front and center, the biggest stuff that is going on in the industry right now. And there are people that don't want to acknowledge that, but that's what this is. It is. Yeah. Moving onward. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of stay on the, this topic. So there is a, a law firm out of Chicago, Pintus and Mullins. Um, they they are injury lawyers and they are putting out a call uh, for anyone that has been sexually abused or exploited uh, by Vince McMahon or anyone affiliated with WWE and UFC. They have set up a site at wwesettlements.com and it looks essentially that they are trying to garner information and names uh, in the event of a potential class action lawsuit. Like that's what this feels like. And they're putting out the, the call for anybody to reach out, whether you had um, experienced abuse or witnessed abuse in the company. And the fact that, um, you know, this is what Ann Callis is trying to do as well with the Janelle Grant suit, like based on the interview she's done, like they are looking for other people to come forward and, and add their names to that. So um, whether this amounts to anything, I mean, it, it does tell you that there is obvious interest in this and giving people that might be leery of coming forward. They do have the avenues to go forward um, and you can do it in many different ways, but I think that's a really tough decision for any of these victims out there that have a story to tell. And I, I'm sorry, like it's, I, I can't imagine how many stories are out there. Like, I just, I don't think you can be naive to the fact that, like, what have we just seen the tip of the iceberg and what you are subjecting yourself to. Um, it, it certainly rang through with me when we were speaking with Tim Marchman last week about, you know, so, some of these women. And it's just, it's not only the the aspect of having to relive something that they've probably tried very, very hard to just compartmentalize and and just move on from there's the revisiting of that. It's putting it in a public forum. It's also the reaction that they're going to get online from like a fan base. And that's, it's awful, but that is the society we live in that here you are that are going to put some of the most traumatic, probably the most traumatic event in your history out there for consumption. And God knows what you are going to be putting yourself through. Like I, I cannot blame anyone that just would rather just stay anonymous and, not want to go go through with this but it's also something where it's um there is strength in numbers as well and it's you know obviously every person's choice to make it's but it's a very difficult one to do right yeah um 
I can't really speak to to know how it might feel to you know maybe be somebody who might be affected by something like this and um is maybe tasked with the pressure of like coming forward with it but I do get the sense that um the more people that speak up about it hopefully the the less um mm, I guess the less alone it, you know it can feel and, and maybe the, the more um confidence people can feel um about about it so let's let's see if any sort of if this results in anything and um let's see uh if if more people come out and speak we have one more rough story to go through and that was on saturday night uh, a group by the name of dynasty wrestling had a surprise for its audience a an appearance unadvertised of the former Velveteen Dream Patrick Clark for their show in Albany over the weekend. And this has drawn a lot of criticism uh, after this was revealed that uh, Patrick Clark uh, showed up and then faced a uh, faced a, a, a surprise opponent on the spot uh, in front of this crowd. And I think for a lot of people, number one, it's, you know, the fact that, you know, Patrick Clark comes with um, the accusations against him that I think many people are uh, very much uh, concerned by. Number two, at the very least, is that not advertising this in advance is something that, you know, if if you're going to book Patrick Clark, I think you owe it to your audience to at least give them warning this is what we're doing. We are booking this person. And then you can decide if you want to buy a ticket or not. Uh, you can support this. Conversely, you can also have the option not to support this. Uh, doing it in this way, I just thought was a really tacky way to do it um, and and not advertise it in advance. Dynasty, um, I guess, the, uh, defended their decision to book yes. Patrick Clark by tweeting Last night, we did what most others wouldn't. We took a risk on a person and gave them an opportunity for a second chance, a second chance to fulfill their, in uh, capital letters, dream. We stand by that decision. Thank you to the packed house for last night's event. Well, that's that's fine. I would say that it would be fair to your audience that you announce this in advance. I think they did not want to take that risk. Yeah, Um I guess uh, it, it, it's it's certainly um, he's one of those figures that I think makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Um, I at this point am not even too sure what sort of the results of the investigations are or like where these allegations stand. Um, where do they stand? I mean, there was no investigation beyond the one that wwe stated that they looked into it and they found nothing there um and i mean it was wwe's decision they did not uh cut him at that point that was in 2020 it was the following year um that that they did cut him and you have had the um different accusations that have come out i mean he did do the interview with with chris van vliet where he was um giving giving his defense of, of of the accusations as well. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just to me at the, at the very least, whether you agree with Patrick Clark being booked or not, I just think you owe it to your audience to be fair about it and advertise that in advance and not do it in a way where it's this surprise appearance. Um, because to, to me, like that's that's just not playing fair with your audience, and that's my opinion on things. Well, the audience couldn't let Dynasty know how they feel by the 
the time they have their next show and whether or not they'll be buying a ticket. Yeah, and some, maybe they care, maybe they won't, but at least give them that option. So we will continue on to um, more uh, positive uh, stories. Uh, did you get to see any of uh, Michael Oku and Will Ospreay from Sunday? I started the match. I have not finished it yet. Yeah, it's a, it's a lengthy one, but I thought it was incredible. Um, we asked if this was going to top their match from two years ago. I thought it did, and then some. Uh, this was just an incredible presentation. Um, as much as, like, Michael Oku and Will Ospreay are going to get so much praise, like, the part of this program, like, Amira was a huge part of this entire presentation from the last match and her work during it, the promo to build up this this match between them. And then in the actual match, I mean, they just, Will Ospreay was such a despicable heel in this match when the, the only way to win is pinfall submission or Amira could throw in the towel. And Ospreay's got the bloody towel with Oku's blood on it from the last time. And he hands it to Amira at one spot during the match and she just spits in his face. So Ospreay just kicks her down to the ground and i just thought she was fantastic in this match oku selling was incredible he gets busted open uh we had both guys uh bleeding uh throughout this but man you had you had callback spots there was a a tribute to uh, curtis chapman during this and like the final 10 minutes um the commentary was just tremendous for, like the whole story of this was laid out so well and in, in the end michael oku getting his his big victory here with the half crab after and, and Amira giving the big middle finger as Oku pulls Osprey into the center and he taps out um, this uh, to me, it's going to be like neck and neck, at least this early into the year with this and that Danielson Zack Sabre jr. Match for me in terms of uh, the best match I've seen this year. And we're at uh February 19th. Yeah. I, let, let's see if it, um, how long that those two even stay in the top five by year's end. We are very early into the year right now. Yeah. Um, definitely go out of your way to check this out. It's on the Rev pro uh, streaming site and uh, yeah, at crystal palace the crowd. It, they said it was like 2000 people. I mean, it was just electric, the atmosphere for this entire thing. And this is, uh, you can look at the length of this match. It certainly didn't feel like it. I mean, it just flowed. Um, just a, a tremendous match presentation. And on top of that, you had Tony Khan in, in attendance at crystal palace and as soon as the match is over it's like the performance of will osprey was done as the heel and now he was the departing star who is off to aew and he just gave gave like this this heartfelt statement thanking the audience thanking tony khan for changing his life and pretty much just you know he's he's off now to to wembley stadium and the, the next stage of his career so he was just a really great um you know end to this this show with um the, the 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 match the big win for michael oku and then you got the farewell from will osprey which i mean if this guy is going to do the odd independent you would think that rev pro is probably the place that he would be uh popping up at um at, at a later date but i i think his his schedule is really going to be just exclusive to aew for the time being like new japan rev pro i think that his focus is just going to be there for now. And, and probably it, it should be a, a while before he does something big outside of there, unless there's some strategic reason to do so. Yeah. Um, I, you know, for the con uh, conservation of his body, I would say, and also maybe for the conservation of like his, hmm, 
I don't know, the specialness to a Will Ospreay match, maybe maybe that's the route he takes, you know, maybe similar to the Bucks where, I mean, they did a very similar sort of like goodbye to the Indies um, and since then have really, I don't know if they've made any um, outside appearances from AEW, at least, you know, in terms of uh, having a full-on match. Um, that could be Will Ospreay. So, yeah. So there you have it. That was uh, the big highlight from, uh, from Rev Pro. And then we move on to our next story, and that uh, involves... Uh, just what's coming up uh, later on this week. We have a taped edition of NXT on Tuesday night, and this will feature Lyra Valkyria against Shotzi. And this is what the whole commercial was like built around is this match. And this is the one where, where Shotzi gets hurt. So they're obviously not going to edit around that. It'll be interesting to see how they, they handle this with the legitimate injury to Shotzi and then Lash Legend taking her place. Uh, but Legend also has a match with Kalani Jordan on this show. There's a number one contenders match with Duke Hudson and Andre Chase against Axiom and Nathan Frazier. JC Jane takes on Ariana Grace, Josh Briggs against Brooks Jensen, and Roxanne Perez against Ren Sinclair with Oba Femi defending the North American title against Lexus King. So that is a lot of matches uh, in, a, in a two-hour window. Unlike tonight's Raw that saw five matches in three hours, but lengthy matches. That'll probably be the difference. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how they present the Shotzi injury and, um, you know, the Lash Legend um, impromptu matchup. Um, I think reality is the best, you know, sort of um, storytelling that they could have in this scenario. So let's see how they present it. And for Wednesday night's Dynamite in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they've announced individual matches for Deanna Perrazzo and Tony Storm, but not listing opponents yet. FTR against John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli, and then Samoa Joe with Swerve Strickland and Brian Cage against Hangman Page, Hook, and Rob Van Dam. Yeah, um, we are how many weeks away from Revolution right now? Uh, two. One, two. Yeah, two weeks away. So let's see uh, how they heat this one up. And um, I'm particularly interested to see how a very heel Hangman Page at this point will be um, interacting with a very babyface Hook and Rob Van Dam. Yeah, we'll see. Um, what do you think is the uh, the main event of this show? Is it the tag or is it this uh, six man? Mm, um, I could see the six man. All right. Well, we will find out. On to Raw we go. But first, it is time to take a quick timeout because we're hearing those voices in our head. And now you can see them in front of your eyes. It is 2024, and tracking technology from advertisers, ISPs, and hackers is getting more sophisticated than many of us can understand. Something you can do to give yourself a bit more peace of mind this year is to protect your browsing by investing in a trusted VPN like NordVPN. Voted Best VPN for Privacy of 2023 by Security.org, Nord is one of the most established and reputable VPN providers in the field. NordVPN is also something I use every day to access geo-blocked online streaming services like AEW+. By far the best way of watching AEW programming commercial-free with on-demand access to AEW's entire TV archive. But perhaps the most value I've gained from using Nord has been the ability to unlock cheaper prices to online content from other parts of the world. And from now until March 20th, when you sign up at NordVPN.com slash postwrestling, receive four bonus months at discount pricing on all two-year plans. Plus, users in the U.S., Canada, U.K., and Australia receive an Uber Eats voucher valued from $10 to $30 with their standard, plus, complete, or ultimate plan. Again, that's NordVPN.com slash postwrestling. Sign up for as low as $2.91 a month and enjoy some free Uber Eats, along with all the benefits of a premium VPN like Nord's. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 10 out of 10. The deal, you mean? No, your voice. The deal is like a 12. Oh, yeah. the, the, the deal is just a bonus, I guess. Yes. Thank you very much to our sponsors. All right. And on to Raw, presented by TKO. Uh, I, I guess, technically, yes. Mm-hmm. They are, um, they pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. And we got, uh, we got some interaction, some integration. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, one of the likely unlikely uh, uh, from the the best of show has already been answered. What Michael Chandler on Raw, or just like a UFC fighter or something? Oh, okay. Well, I think we always thought we'd see an appearance by one. Um, mm. Did we? We didn't predict if he would take his shirt off or not. Well, we didn't get to see that part. No, we didn't. But Pat McAfee definitely wanted to um, paint the picture. Mm-hmm. So they had a sold out show tonight at the Honda Center, over eleven thousand people, according to WrestleTix, yeah. and. We are kicking things off with Drew McIntyre and Cody Rhodes. Now, I know you're asking, what's what's the story? The story is a 93 rating against an 89 rating in 2K24. <laughs> That's what's at stake. Do, do, do you get to improve your rating if you beat the guy above you? Does Drew's rating increase? I don't believe the ratings change like over the course of the year. Oh. I, I'm pretty sure it's like a one-time you know, once a year type of thing. So we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it'll have some effect on next year's rating. Okay. The dragon screw is uh, hit by Cody in the ropes and he goes for the figure four, but Drew gets to the rope. Uh, Drew then grinds his boot into Cody's face. And then we get into a disaster kick, a Cody cutter, and they're just going for the big near falls. Crossroads gets stopped with a knee strike and then both go to the floor with a clothesline. So we get a second commercial break. Future Shock is blocked as Cody hits the pedigree, and then he goes for the Cody cutter and is hit with the Glasgow kiss in midair, hits the Future Shock, Cody kicks out. So now he's got to go for a double springboard Cody cutter. Need to get that extra bounce for the Cody cutter. Still not enough to keep Drew down. So then Cody, he's powering up, and then he points to the WrestleMania sign, and he gets all the power of WrestleMania through his veins. When Jimmy Uso runs down, He's knocked off the apron, but behind the referee's back, Solo Sokoa hits Cody with the Samoan spike, and then a Claymore keeps Cody down. Drew pins Cody in 19 minutes and 41 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, crowd was so hot for this match. They were almost treating this like it was uh, like their version of, of WrestleMania, and I thought that was pretty incredible because at this point, Drew is already in the chamber. Cody already has his match. There really is nothing at stake with the result of this. But yet, like, they were wrestling this like it was, you know, the final, I don't know, the fun, they were the final two uh, in the Rumble or something. Each of them were, like, looking at the WrestleMania sign. Cody was pointing at the WrestleMania sign as if this match had some outcome, like, uh, effect on, on, on that, on WrestleMania. Um, but the crowd was into it. You know, the crowd was reacting as if, like, there were some great stakes here. Like, it was life or death whether or not Cody won. And... I I think it was a very effective match and a very entertaining match as a result. It was the type of match that showed you clearly just how hot Cody Rhodes is right now. He completely feels like he's the product's main character 
um, a month out from WrestleMania. There's no doubt. I mean, he's red hot. Um, I, I'm, I meant to mention it, but not only uh, did we have the sellout tonight, uh, but these house shows that they did over the weekend, they did 7,500 in Oakland on Saturday, which that alone is a really strong uh, house show number. Then yesterday in Fresno, they did over 9,000 for a show. And these are, this was Cody and Nakamura in the main events. Like it tells you they are just so hot at the moment when you're drawing 9,000 for a house show. That's a phenomenal number and no special attraction. No, no rock, no CM Punk even. This is like the roster that's, that's with you full time. It's, it's really incredible. Um, I love the finish here. I mean, it was Drew accepting the bloodlines help and, and basically, you know, turning into a hypocrite here. I thought Cody losing does not affect him in the least. If anything, it might just make him that much more of a sympathetic baby face here. And of course, for storyline purposes, it motivates Cody to finally accept Rollins help against the bloodline. Michael Cole is calling Drew a hypocrite, complaining about the bloodlines interference for all this time. And then he benefits from it. He was disgusted by him. Then we had, uh, first of all, they had an ad for the return of the A&E programming this week. So for rivals, it's going to be triple H against the rock. Mm-hmm. Convenient. Yeah. And then uh, a Legends biography on Randy Orton this Sunday. So. And you do hear The Rock's um, voice. So it, it's, it seems to suggest it might be a fresh interview from The Rock for that episode, I would think. I mean, maybe. I am sure they can comb through the archives to find The Rock talking about Triple H that, at their disposal. Could like, just be I, that. Yeah. I would say if I'm The Rock, I'm like, you know what, guys? This is one for the library. I think you're, I think we're good. Andrade Vignette, he notes he's a third-generation luchador. Even my wife is a wrestler. He defines his destiny, and his destiny is here in WWE. The era of Andrade El Idolo has begun. This was such a beautiful video package. I Maybe, like, in terms of pre-production, maybe the best thing I've seen out of the Andrade character. I mean, this is coupled now with, I think, his, you know, new ability to to be able to cut promos in, in English. And it's not at, it's at the point now where he's not just able to speak English, but I felt in this video package, he was able to emote very effectively. Um, good script, plus, like, the, the, the excellent production um, here, the backgrounds, the music, the editing, the the camera shots, I think all of it was able to take the, the promo that we've seen in its sort of raw form in AEW to another level, and it made, in effect, this guy look so damn cool. They were, like, playing a lot with... um. The continued like uh, uh, wordplay around Destino, you know, which calls, um, of course, you know, his uh, to his connection to uh, Los Ingo Bernables. And um, I thought they struck a pretty good balance between English and Spanish lines here as, as well. So another A plus video package for Andrade. Well, you have always said, Way, it's very tough to debut, uh, make a debut when we're in the lead up to WrestleMania. You can get lost in the shuffle. So this was a very ballsy decision on the WWE's behalf but we got the debut of pat mcafee's telestrator to give us a breakdown of solo sokoa getting involved yes we got to see drew's eyes i'm glad that they gave us this uh this focus but the best was uh, solo sokoa and his vision (laughs) sensing his target and then winding up with the samoan spike on cody and this um they tried this a few times throughout the night. Was was this Bobby Heenan? No, it, it was not. But it looks like the Telestrator is here to stay. 
Um, yeah, wrestling and telestrators. I mean, they, I guess the WWE, especially, they've had um, a bit of a history. My favorite was always Jerry Lawler when he would actually draw like a really funny photo on top of um, like a still image. Um, don't really get that with uh, Pat McAfee here, but like this, I just kind of felt was more of their influence of trying to fold in a lot of like, you know, sports like presentation. I'm assuming the NFL has, you know, a very similar technology like this uh, and like drawing the eyes on solo. I just kind of almost felt like it was them showing off like, Hey, isn't this cool? Did I uh, <laughs> introduce my, uh, my telestrator here? Yeah. I can actually do this on my other computers. So. Can't really say it adds a whole lot to my experience as a viewer, but it gives Pat sort of like a signature thing for him to do. Um, and maybe it's a, it's a decent little twist on, on a typical instant replay recap. Um, sure. Yeah. Why not? You don't like it. You hate it. No, I don't. You can see like they are adding. I I'm sure that this is a lot of the influence of, of Lee fitting, who is the producer that they added. Like, hmm. here's the guy that comes from ESPN. You're getting all of like the walkthroughs at the back when they're arriving at the building. We're mm -hmm. getting like more stats and the this, video packages too tonight. At least several of them, like with the drew, um, um, Cody match felt very different from your typical wwe video package you had like narration with like a guy that i swear like sounds like an nfl films type of narrator or something like that um i've i've enjoyed the sort of like differences and and like you know risks that that they've been taking production wise adam pierce is with cody who maintains he's fine and seth rollins walks in just looks at cody pats him on the leg and walks out and that was Seth Rollins' entire role on tonight's show. Was this? He didn't say a word. Well, listen. I mean, a look sometimes says more than any words could say. This was this was an "I told you so" look, and I think the glance itself was was more than anything he could say. Listen, not everybody needs to come to the show and you know have like I don't know two pages full of dialogue to make their time worthwhile. Okay, yeah, you well, deliver the story. The two pages That's of dialogue is coming on. You got to. Tune into the pay-per-view for that on Saturday. That's that. That's that is two true. Pages of dialogue. Yes, that is true. Probably more than two pages. Then it was time for the last slash first chance battle royal. <laughs> so if you missed out on your shot to get in, or you just are employed at WWE, you got into this match. This was the preview graphic, and uh, we had Shayna Baszler, Meechin, Elba Fire, Zelina Vega, and Zoe Stark joined by. The returning Raquel Rodriguez, who's look, look at this difference here of who they just decided to uh, add to this. So Raquel Rodriguez is back. She's been out since December. Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell, the big sentimental favorite to go home to Australia. Chelsea Green, uh, Natalia, Tegan Knox, Zia Lee, Ivy Nile, Electra Lopez, Maxine Dupree, Valhalla, Isla Dawn, Katana Chance. I don't think Caden Carter was in this. Katana Chance definitely was, but mm -hmm. I don't think Carter was. And She's not on the graphic. No. Okay. No. So maybe I don't know what's uh, up with Caden Carter. And BFAB. Everyone's pick. Mm -hmm. BFAB to, to take this one. So Maxine was gone in 50 seconds. Uh, so that was that. She was not going to the elimination chamber. Probably for the best. On a, um, Yeah. Well. We just had a procession of eliminations. Raquel got to eliminate half the squad here. Green shoves Larray into the post. She's knocked out. Indy Hartwell goes for a springboard. She's just yanked off by Shayna Baszler, and she's gone. It wasn't even a dramatic end, and uh, that was it for Indy Hartwell's dream of going to 
her home country. But there's always, um, I was going to say next year. They probably won't be in Australia next year for this event. Raquel stops a tornado DDT by Alba Fire and just runs across the ring and tosses her out. This was like uh, Marab with uh, Henry Cejudo on the weekend. Niall eliminates Natalia with a forearm shot. And then Baszler and Stark work together, dumping out Niall. So the final four, Baszler, Stark, Raquel Rodriguez, and Meechin, or is it the final four? Baszler and Stark double clothesline, Meechin out. Raquel then eliminates Baszler. Stark is knocked off the apron, but Baszler catches her, and then Stark is booted out. Raquel thinks she's won, but WWE, they love the, wait a minute, someone's not been eliminated finish. So Chelsea Green runs in from behind. But it's reversed, and Raquel tosses out Chelsea Green. I actually like this ending with with Chelsea, and Raquel wins in 14 minutes and two seconds to become the sixth member of the chamber on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought ultimately this was a a good, very effective reintroduction for Raquel Gonzalez. It effectively put the spotlight on her and sends her into the chamber with at least a a decent amount of like you know fan reaction. She she didn't make the rumble, but they gave her the spot. It's, of course, interesting to uh, discuss Raquel in this place because um, there is this leaked image that had um, uh, appeared for the Elimination Chamber um, preview on uh, the WWE's website or something. And a lot of people saw this. It was like a blurred image um, consisting of the finalists here. And everybody is uh, ended up making it into the match with the exception of Jade Cargill who mm. was originally on this um, graphic and she um, at least her role has been replaced by Raquel Gonzalez. So, you know, either Jade was supposed to be in this match and be- because of the leak, they decided to change it. Or maybe they just simply felt like there was a better role for, for Jade. Is than, this the best match, match like to this. debut her in? No, I don't think so either. If she's not uh, winning. I don't think th- that would be the move. I, mean, I think mm. that'd be the right move to hold off on her. Like, unless she's winning, why, why beat her? when you don't have to yeah i mean well you expect the booking to make her look dominant you could have said the same thing with the royal rumble she didn't win the rumble but she she made a big enough impression you know it'd be a, a loss that she gained something out of it maybe it this was one she has thought. to be pinned in. yeah the pinning is is probably going to be um a, a bit of a tricky one but probably better that she's not in it yeah Jay uso was in the back with a public service announcement the wait is over and it's time to end gunther's reign Allow me to intro- reintroduce myself. So we got Jay-Z here. Mm-hmm. Cole and Pat interview Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax, I guess via satellite, via backstage. It is the first time that Rhea gets to wrestle in Australia while in WWE, and she mentions times she wanted to quit and had to remind herself who she was, and she doesn't need to fit in, and now she's the most dominant woman in WWE. Nia Jax points out, I'm twice your size and I have triple your talent and she's going to squash her and mommy will go home crying to her mommy. Rhea says, Naya, you're going to crumble in Perth. Your nightmares will become a reality. And Naya's just left there shaking. She's so angry at this. How dare you state that my nightmares will become my reality. (laughs) I wouldn't say this was a, a face-to-face that at the end I was, uh, oh, my God, take my money. This was, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a bit too brief, and they didn't really get into anything, I think, so personal or, like, heat-generating that made it memorable. I, it was fine. It reminded you about the match. But, um, like, for how, I think, um, popular Rhea Ripley is, I, 
I think her her promos are like getting better. She's sounding more and more confident, but like she's not at. There's room to improve. I guess is is all I'm trying to say. Then we go to the Netflix reps who were in the front row. <laughs> this is weird. It, no identification of any of these people. It's just uh, the Netflix it, team that was here to to watch Raw, and they got front row seats. I mean, it wasn't weird. It completely uh, like you understand it and it makes sense. But like, it's weird that they were all seemingly dressed in black, um, like they were the Shield or something. How much and, did that beer cost that woman at the Honda Center? Like over oh, twenty five bucks. She works for Netflix, and she's uh, she's obviously high up enough that she got these uh, you know featured seats. So I I don't think it matters much to her. Yeah, that's um, that's what your password crackdown is going towards <laughs> the extra large. Yeah, but this was weird. Like they didn't uh, key them. Oh, I guess uh, the, the, you see Netflix. the Netflix logo in the background. Yeah, so that was it. Um, I was waiting for them to say they're Netflix and they're here to chill. <laughs> Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Um, do they have they done this in the past where they would just show like corporate people um, attached to any company? That I don't they think just Fox ever with? got this. Yeah. Yeah. Nor USA. <laughs> yeah. No, I never seen like Bonnie <laughs> Hammer just like randomly yeah. during the the heyday. Uh, but there they were. This is this is what five billion dollars buys you. Okay. Why <laughs> you get you get a shout so. out on screen? Then it was time for a new truth. Uh, Judgment Day. Uh, a timeline hosted by Jackie Redman. So we are doing kind of our uh, our entertainment tonight slash kind of expose here on Our Truth with a little walk and talk interview where Our uh, Truth a shout out to Samoa Joe here with his uh, rain protection the the, the poncho yeah I mean I guess it was rainy out there in Anaheim he said when he first met the Judgment Day it was a perfect fit like the first time John Cena put on a pair of jean shorts he hasn't cried this hard since the end of This Is Us and this is how genuine must have felt when he wrote pony <laughs> and now he has new friends sean michaels and triple h which he's referring <laughs> to diy um this actually read better than it than it like came off on the screen because i thought this one was not anywhere near the the one they did a while live back. laugh love yeah that one was really funny this one to me just kind of felt like we're just pushing the boundaries of the humor here it was fine it was not, not not terrible but you know it was what it was it, it was a it was cute and, and i think a, uh, an attempt to recapture maybe the vibe of, of live laugh love um ultimately I, I felt like it was still effective and again like the alternative this guy might have been the second most popular person behind cody on this show to this uh, crowd yeah very true like th- this was shot outside of of the hana center and um like if this was two years ago, we would have just had like a typical backstage interview without much like sort of attempt at being creative. This is at least an attempt to do something different, you know, using Jackie Redman and doing this almost as as if it was like a news magazine type of piece. And I just continue to applaud them trying trying things a bit differently. They plugged the OC Vibe deal with TKO that started with UFC 298 on Saturday. Where are the OC Vibe uh, committee members in the front I was row? waiting. I mean. You know, they were uh, maybe maybe they didn't have front row seats. <laughs> Samantha Irvin then introduces former Bellator lightweight champion Michael Chandler. We know where all the front seats were going to on on this particular show. So they were doing a deal with Chandler where he was doing some something in like a private box with, I think, some like contest winners or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um so Michael Chandler, first of all, he just grabs the mic from Samantha Irvin and the man immediately turns into a 15 year old and just 
cuts this promo on Conor McGregor. Chandler says he's the most entertaining UFC fighter on the planet and tells Conor McGregor, get your candy ass back in the octagon. If there was one thing very, very clear is that Michael Cole doesn't follow any of this stuff because Pat McAfee is basically explaining how this fight has been delayed. And I mean, I was just getting ready for the whole timeline. Michael, they were, they were coaching ultimate fighter last year. Connor, he didn't sign on for the new fight. And now there's a big impasse. So that is, and then he's like off camera. Like, first of all, they cut off Chandler. Is he still going here? And they cut away. McAfee's telling us that he's taking his shirt off, which they never show. Cole has no idea what's going on here. And um, this was our this was our synergy. So my timeline was pretty much every MMA person just uh, thought this was awesome. And uh, wrestling people, I think, thought less. What did wrestling people think? I, I wasn't paying attention, but like what? What could know. you possibly be upset about with, with something like this? This, this was... It it was completely inoffensive. If you're a wrestling fan, if you don't watch the UFC, it, it would just be a segment that well, you that's get it. Uh, like for people that maybe don't uh, don't know who this is and don't. Really but do you know who the Netflix executives are? Like who gives? I a don't shit? think anyone was cheering the Netflix segment either. So. <laughs> but I mean, it it doesn't bother me. Like this was you know like an that's, an ad. Like this to me was no different than showing a, a I don't know a football player in in, in the crowd. I'll, I'll say this on on the defense of those that did not like this, but understanding that the synergy is that yes this is involving you know conor mcgregor and god knows when this fight will take place this could be a very effective spot for like if sean o'malley was used here and he's fighting in three weeks time and he's like a major star for them like having a fight to promote in front of close to two million people mm-hmm. um I, I could see that being like more strategic here than chandler where yeah you're you're promoting a fight but this fight has absolutely no um, like it's like it's, right. it's not even a fight that they're promoting. It's not even a done deal or anything like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. In that sense, I I, I find it um kind of fascinating that it's it's not actually promoting something you could actually buy at least not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this, I yeah. I do I do sense that like maybe there's something to um the WWE wanting a mention of Conor McGregor. Cause like, I mean, who, sorry, but who is Michael Chandler? You know, he's only relevant perhaps to a larger WWE audience in with his relationship with Conor McGregor. And, and I can see Conor got the react. Like when they introduced Michael Chandler, it's not like this arena went nuts, but when he did mention Conor McGregor, you did see some reaction here because like, obviously that name is going to, there's going to be one name drop. That's probably going to be among the ones that gets your non UFC fan to recognize him. Exactly. And and that's also like the type of celebrity that I think the WWE kind of covets as well. Not Michael Chandler, but Conor McGregor. You have Conor McGregor's, you know, would be opponent calling him out on your show. So I, maybe maybe that's why they let this guy take the microphone and basically cut it, you know, a pro wrestling promo here. How would you rate the promo from Michael Chandler? I mean, he was he was fine. He looked very comfortable doing like a like. It's stereotypical wrestling promo, but it wasn't like he was nervous or anything. Like he's done plenty of these promos and stuff, so he was, yeah, he was fine. Fucking turned like beat purple here. Oh, he was the the, yeah. I was, um, it was it was quite something. So yeah, screamed. Yeah, this was a very much um like he was he was um he was feeling it. He was feeling it. This guy's just been waiting forever for this fight. They filmed mm-hmm. tough. Like, I think it was like last spring. 
Well, he's waiting for that paycheck is what he's waiting for. This guy has not fought in a long time. These God. are some key years for him. Like, this is not a spring chicken either. That I mean, he's waiting for this. Big so what's, what's the status of Conor McGregor? Like, what, what exactly is the holdup at the moment? I mean, depending on, like, who you ask, it's, you know, whether it's, you know, the the number of fights that are left on his deal. I mean, Dana White is just given it like he's been asked about this a lot and he's talked about the fact oh he had the the broken leg but i mean we're, we're talking about that was three years ago and then he states mm-hmm. well connor doesn't need the money it's like connor doesn't need the money does that mean does that mean he's never fighting again like he's got money he's got lots of money there's plenty of fighters who have lots of money that fight floyd mayweather had a lot of money still did wrestlemania so mm-hmm. there you have it so it's gonna be michael chandler and um i guess it can't be the big show <laughs> No, not now. No. Omos. Could be. They cut from like basically from Chandler to Chad Gable. And God was there a bit of a familiarity between these two. I mean, they could be they could be cousins. Okay. It was I just because we went so clo- we went from one yeah. basically to the other here. Chad Gable's in the locker room to address Ivar. And uh, both sides are going to leave their crews in the back for their match. And Ivar responded accepting this. He must have mentioned the gods like eight times in this 30-second promo. The gods demand their battle come to an end, but the gods have chosen their path, and it goes straight through Chad Gable. So this is presented to you by the gods coming up later. Judgment Day against R-Truth, The Miz, and DX. They get the heat on Ciampa after the break. Then Gargano's in. They beat down him. This is all leading to the hot tag for R-Truth, who does his Cena spots, and the crowd's going wild. They're chanting for R-Truth. He's the only person they want to see in on the babyface side. There's a procession of spots. Everyone is down, ending with a mid-ring crossbody by Balor and Ciampa. So Truth and Priest are in, and the South of Heaven is stopped. He hits a scissors kick to Priest. Crowd continues chanting for Truth. He teases a dive, but gets caught by Priest. The chokeslam is turned into a roll-up, and then after he goes for the AA, it's stopped by Priest, who finally hits the south of heaven, and they pin R-Truth in 15 minutes and 40 seconds, and Judgment Day just stand over the fallen R-Truth while Miz and DIY are just leaning against the desk, defeated on the floor. There's nothing they could do. They failed. Think about the heat. (laughs) I mean, um... I, I felt it was a pretty standard match to the first two commercial breaks, but uh, by the time it got going in the third segment here, three segments for this match, um, Truth continued to receive these massive, massive reactions from this audience. So um makes you wonder what this is all leading to. It And it seems like it's Judgment Day's A program right now, um, heading towards WrestleMania. I think our truth is going to get something of note at wrestlemania like some mm-hmm. something um and whatever yeah. it is it's probably tied in somewhere with the with the judgment day they got the match with dunn and and and, and bade of course but who are the other sort of tag team challengers that they're that are being built up at the moment that you could see for a, a wrestlemania tag match they're actually building up the new day quite a bit oh that's true yeah um but against imperium if they yeah, beat Imperium, will they be hot enough to, to take on uh, Judgment Day? Maybe, maybe. But I, I, I see it ultimately ending with something with Truth again. Um, maybe, maybe our Truth is going to. Uh, maybe he he is going to 
end up getting something big for night three of WrestleMania on the Raw <laughs> on Monday. Sure. Yes. I have no idea. Jackie Redman interviews Sami Zayn. This is just, uh, Jackie Redman is just like, so you lost again. Yeah, Jackie, I did. I have to pause this feud with Drew. I can't get obsessed with him because then I won't be able to move forward. You know, he, you know, he's taking his chips and he's like, he's like, I can't beat him. I'm not winning this. Feud. <laughs> it's like, I, I've lost this feud. I'm moving on. He <laughs> said, I know there's a path for me to WrestleMania. I need to go with my feeling and my gut to do something historic. I'm a contender and I know I will be a champion. As he gives like, you know, a very sort of, um, I don't know self-doubting face as he says the those last words so i'm i'm very interested to see where they're going with Sami Zayn here you know it could be a championship run as a baby face or it could be setting the path for a heel run in either way as long as you put this talent in front of um a, a microphone on a big stage with title aspirations you know this guy is going to deliver so if this is just strictly the promise of a very serious and important like sort of high-ranking Sami Zayn storyline I'm already on board Becky Lynch comes out and she says she's done a lot of things here and there's not too many new things except my hat do you like the hat and her backwards baseball hat is going to stay it's part of her new look and she (laughs) is gonna like does this not look like the most natural accessory for Becky Lynch um this um i sure yeah okay but she's going into elimination chamber for the first time and inevitably her and rhea ripley are going to collide pretty much we have booked this wrestlemania match but we have to get through this match first on saturday she's riding a wave of momentum and she's the best she's ever been but i know i have to beat five of the best on saturday so Liv morgan interrupts she likes her hat but she is not a fan of hearing how Becky is going to win this match. I don't care who the best is. This is about revenge. I used to be partners with Rhea Ripley until she turned on me. Then I became a partner with Raquel Rodriguez and Rhea Ripley cost us the titles. And then the next week she injured my shoulder and she had to go through all this exposition. And it was like painful how much she had to recount here uh, of the whole history uh, between them. This, this was screaming for a video package. Then Raquel comes out, reminding them, hey, guys, Nia Jax might be champion, and there's only one woman big enough and strong enough to take on either Rhea or Nia Jax. Okay. Naomi comes out. She has come back to WWE with a new purpose and to climb to the top. Got it. Tiffany Stratton is out. She says, Naomi, when you left, you left an empty space, and while you were gone, No one cares about the past. And that's all I see in front of me. Four people from the past, which has got to be a a hit to Liv Morgan. I mean, she's now part of the past. I I mean, she's been around for quite a while. I guess she has. She just um, doesn't feel like an old veteran. She's been here for how long? Uh, she's she's definitely she's she's lasted a lot of releases. Closer to to a decade than um, I guess not well the final one out is bianca belair because everyone had to be represented here so she is out and she says she's the only one of the six to have won an elimination chamber and she is going to continue her undefeated streak stratton then tells belair she is so last year 
And then all six just decide to fight, including Bianca Belair in these heels. I don't know how she could even move in these mm-hmm. things. And then Nia Jax comes in, and I'm not kidding. She destroys all six of these women, just runs through all of them and leaves all of them laying going into elimination chamber. So, I mean, you are building up Nia Jax as the challenger. This was not uh, completely reductive, but I mean, it was like quite the quite the go home segment for this uh, for this chamber match. Right. I, I was I didn't get too upset by, you know, Naya laying everybody out. I, I felt like um because maybe we are um, so like looking ahead to Rhea versus um um uh Becky Lynch, I thought it was important to give Naya something. It could also just simply be a case of them like not having enough women segments on the show and therefore let's just combine everything. Let's have all the women in the chamber come out and talk and then let's just have Naya destroy everybody just so we can build up both. Um, I, I, I felt it was like ultimately fine here. Everybody is going to be challenging to get possibly revenge on Nia Jax or uh, Rhea Ripley here. Um, this was like this match here, you know, with this women's chamber, I, because like, you know, you, you take so many weeks to just simply build the participants you don't have that much time for everybody to be able to cut promos and kind of tell their own story and this was them trying to i think give as much mic time as as they could to everybody to build some interest um and at the very least i thought it gave us a good glimpse of like where people stand on the microphone in terms of their abilities and i felt like tiffany stratton sounded really good here you know um she For somebody who maybe hasn't looked the most impressive in her in-ring matches so far, I thought she came across really, really well on the microphone, full of confidence and um, the lone heel in the entire group, by the way. So, you know, she actually did feel like the center of the universe. And I also felt like, you know, um, she made a big impression just simply through her presence and delivery. I also felt like Bianca Belair sounded really good in this segment. She sounded a lot more comfortable and charismatic than she did during her uh, much of her babyface championship run. Could be due to like, like a lack of pressure, or could just be due to experience. But I want to hear more of this Bianca. Um, Naomi, I felt had too short of a promo. Like she has come back and really hasn't had much of a chance to speak at all. And um, crowd still wants to hear more from her. Crowd still really sees the like want, wants her to be in a big role, but it doesn't feel like she's she's in a big role at yet. I felt Liv was kind of disappointing. You know, she was the one with the most story going into this chamber with um sort of a direct other than Becky, of course, you know, with with a direct reason to want to get revenge on on Rhea Ripley. But I thought she sounded a bit timid, you know, in, in this little um uh sort of segment. Um didn't sound like the confidence was there yet. So hope to see that grow in in the weeks ahead. Yeah. I think there needs to be a rule of the amount of interruptions you can do in a segment. Once it's six people out there, Mm -hmm. I I think the cap for me is like two interruptions. I think that that's, that's enough. The, 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 the just, uh, avocate of appearances. It's just, uh, I mean, it was just, yeah, it's it, it, maybe in that sense, it wasn't so creative, but it was just a way for everybody to get mic time in succession, right? And learn that Naomi has a new purpose. Don't know what that purpose is, but it's a new one. Gunther says, this will be the greatest night of Jay's career, trying to fulfill a dream of winning a singles title, but he's going to have to keep on dreaming after tonight. Then we go to Shinsuke Nakamura, who was in a, a very smoky room and addresses Sami Zayn. You want to be a contender? First of all, fighters fight. True fighters don't whine to everyone to try and get a spotlight. You want a spotlight? I'll give you one. 
I'll make sure you stay an underdog by breaking you again, and then you can bask in everyone's sympathy and show them that their contender is a pretender. You want more Shinsuke? Anytime, anywhere. So Mm -hmm. as much as Sami Zayn knows he needs to move on and not get uh, derailed by distractions, uh, he's going to revisit this match with Shinsuke Nakamura next week in San Jose. I guess when Nakamura is calling you out, what what can you do? You know, so TV match. Yes. Thinking. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, Maybe he loses this one, too. Same. Maybe he loses everything. Yeah. No, yeah. Just, just keep going down and maybe he'll realize the curse is Jackie Redman in these interviews. Could be. Could be. Switch things up. Uh, they showed Callum Walsh, the uh, the undefeated boxer from uh, from Cork, Ireland, who's fighting uh, next month in New York. And that takes us to Ivar and Chad Gable. I was actually looking forward to this when they announced this match. And this did not disappoint. These two have great chemistry together. We start off with a rolling kapu kick from Chad Gable, knocking Ivar off the turnbuckle, and he dives to him on the floor. And then Gable takes a powerbomb onto the barricade. That sets up the commercial. Ivar goes to run at Gable, misses, and just launches himself into this LED screen on the ring. And then he recovers to hit a seated senton off the top, misses the doom salt. So Gable deadlifts him up for the German, hits it, straps come down, crowds going nuts. And then the moonsault comes off the top and connects. But Ivar kicks out. Gable immediately goes to the ankle lock, pulls him to the middle. And Ivar taps in eight minutes and 23 seconds as Alpha Academy come out to celebrate. And this kind of felt like the end of this, like, forever feud in length between alpha academy and ivar i would certainly hope so i don't know what other combinations they could go go to i mean we've i think we've done well we've done every single combination and ivar has beaten everybody like he faced tozawa twice right is that right i don't know i don't remember don't really care anymore and and this seemed to really kind of put an end to it all uh but i actually felt like despite maybe how much tv time they spent on this in in the months prior i kind of felt like the match started off a bit cold you know it feels like this feud between these two factions has really not been top of mind but because these two are so good the david goliath dynamic was enough to i think invest everybody watching into this match and ivar did that seated senton yeah, and that got such a big reaction that I feel like like that could be his new finisher. Um, now you ask, is that move any better for somebody's knees of, at his size than a moonsault? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, but I have to think it's at least easier to perform, you know, on a on a nightly basis than a. I mean, moonsault. it looked good. Yeah, it looked great. Got a big reaction. I enjoyed this. I th- I thought these two were great. Then they, we have a graphic for all the different time zones for the Elimination Chamber. From Australian Western Standard Time to Hawaiian Standard Time, they have you covered. So 5 a.m. Very... Eastern. Oh, yeah. Okay. So 6 p.m. if you're in Australia, but everywhere else, we're talking midnight to 5 a.m. Uh, for most of the world. So uh, some of us will be watching live. You know, for some of us, this is these are normal hours. I promise you there will be a not insignificant portion that will tune in Saturday at the normal time slot on Saturday evening. I mean, we, we, we've done it in a similar sense for new Japan. You know, those of us that are, um, are, are, are watching new Japan are, are used to it. Those of us who watch sports like F1 are kind of used to something like this. So I think it's a, it's a very helpful graphic. 
you know, it's going to be the best part. It's uh, people that, that wake up forgetting about this. Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no sympathy. No sympathy. None. Not a, not, not one. Kathy Kelly is with Drew McIntyre. He says Cody's on the run of a lifetime and no one's pinned him or one person has pinned him in this whole run. And now I have two. I'm not a hypocrite. I just see the bigger picture. I know that the bloodline was getting involved, but I'm doing this for the title and for the fans. So I've got to win the chamber. He also SmackDown is happening in real time for him. So he said, he, yeah. I've got to go to SmackDown to face LA night. <laughs> and then I've got to fly halfway across the world to Perth. For He's Saturday a workhorse. <laughs> He's got like a, He's got like an eight-hour difference <laughs> from the time SmackDown ends to when that yeah. pay-per-view starts on Saturday morning. And he's going to be at the press conference on Thursday night. So oh. I, Drew McIntyre, how he does it, I mean, just incredible. He's such a workhorse. He can make uh, his jet fly faster than than is possible. He yeah. read about Hulk Hogan wrestling 400 days a year because of the international dateline. And he was mm-hmm. like, you know what? That's that's my That's my aspirational figure. Yeah, but it, I mean, it, it's a type of promo that I think totally fits this Drew character. I mean, he's simply at this point delusional. He knows what criticisms of him uh, are uh, of him being a hypocrite, accepting the bloodlines help, but he still thinks he's acting righteously. Um, so he is Hulk Hogan. That That is the character at this point. Delusional. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got, it. Got it. You know, it really looks like he has a mullet from this angle. From this particular shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. New day predict that Jey Uso is going to win tonight. That would be incorrect. And they warn Imperium, who tried to end Kofi's career, we are the industry standard for tag team wrestling, and it isn't over until we say it's over, and they make the challenge for next Monday for a street fight. Really good promo here from the New Day. Very much so, yeah. I mean, they continue their sort of renewed mean streak. Um, no bootios, no donuts, no like unicorns for a long, long time now. No catchphrases even in this promo. They're serious, and I'm really liking the direction. I hope they go even further with it. Um, who do you think wins this feud? I think the New Day gets the uh, the big win next week. Mm. Yeah, could could be them facing Judgment Day. So next week, they've announced a street fight and Nakamura against Zayn coming off Elimination Chamber. Uh, there was a professional bull rider that was showing. Every sport represented. Everyone. I was waiting for like the Frisbee players to be represented. Um, Is that an Endeavor thing as well? They uh, Endeavor runs uh, PBR. Yeah. Right. Okay. So so anybody that they, they have an attachment to. Just put them in. Anaheim was just. Where's our... the bull riding call out, you know, for their, their Conor McGregor? Who's the Conor McGregor of bull riding? You know, Dana White owns a bull and uh, Donald Cerrone is going to ride this bull in May. And they're building up to this. It's. The name of the bull is like twist, twisted steel. I think, oh, done like wow. a tale of the tape for the two of them. So, okay. Did, did you hear Donald Cerrone's uh, interview on the last Power Slap event? Are you are you seriously asking me me that question? I'm only saying it because this clip just circulated everywhere. They interviewed mm-hmm. him about his thoughts on Power Slap. He's like, it's awesome. It's like if you want to see and hear brain damage in person this is the sport for you and he's saying this unironically and it was just the best like it's he said it's literally cte that's what he called he's like if you want to hear cte anyway on to the main event it's gunther and jay uso for the ic title real tough pick them because both have 90 ratings in 2k24 Mm. yeah Hmm. gunther attacks him and uh ends up 
on the, on the floor and drops him on the edge of the apron. That's our first commercial break. Jay sets up for the hip attack, but gets hit with a missile drop kick and a power bomb for a two count. Jay recovers, hits a suicide dive. We go to a second commercial break and we come back. Jay's offense gets stopped by one big chop and he holds on to Jay delivering more chops. Jay tries to slap him. Powerbomb gets blocked and Jay runs the ropes and spears Gunther, his first of several. And they, then Gunther comes back with a splash off the top and Jay lands a spear, then hits another one on the edge of the apron, hits a third spear on the floor. And then he hits what I will give him like a partial spear in the ring. I didn't know quite what this was, but it wasn't, what is it? Wasn't a Braun Breaker spear. Let's put it that way. Uso splash connects one, two, ding, 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 ding. And the referee's like, oh, my, my arm, I can't, I can't count three. I can't call the audible here. I've got to figure out what this bell's going on. And it's Jimmy Uso ringing the bell. And that is not cause for any like disqualification. This nope. is just like an interruption even, in the match. This even like this a fan running on the field. Even this bell ringer like did not make any attempt to stop this person from uh, grabbing his hammer and basically completely ruining this matchup. This is Fred Ottman's kid, isn't it? That's it. The old, you know what? Missed. He's traumatized. He he knows not to get involved in anything physical. He's Maybe he's like, listen, I'm here to do my job, and I'm not here to get involved with these these people. I don't know who this is. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe he's in, uh, uh, currently engaged in a, some, uh, litigation and, and knows he can't risk himself. Yeah. Trying to make this guy look like a tight fool. So Jimmy rings the bell, and um, and this just causes distraction from everybody. Like, whoa. You're not the timekeeper, and the match was not over. So the pin is not registered, and Gunther applies a choke from behind, but Jay rolls on top, gets out, super kicks Gunther, and then dives onto Jimmy and the security guards on the floor, goes for another Uso splash, but Gunther gets up the knees and cradles Jay in 18 minutes and 53 seconds, retaining the belt, and Jimmy returns, attacking his brother, super kicks him, and now he has cost him the match against Roman at SummerSlam and the IC title against Gunther. And he tells Jay, I'll always be the big brother. Hmm. And hits yes. an Uso splash at the end. So this uh, looks like that. The, the setup at the Rumble seemed to be like this is the, the Mania program with, with, with these two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Rumble interaction, I, I think, uh, speaking for a lot of people, was maybe a little bit disappointing in terms of crowd reaction. Like, especially coming out of the Rumble, it was really not on, I think, um, anybody's sort of top of mind. And maybe a part of that reason is because these two have been kept apart for so long, we we don't even exactly remember why they split up in the first place. You know, you mentioned um, Jay getting, sorry, Jimmy getting involved to cost him the match against Roman. I don't even remember the finish to that one. And I was, and I was there. Um, so they needed something to kind of update and refresh and reheat the feud. And, you know, having that Jimmy- is one to definitely go back and listen to that. It wasn't the promo that I didn't want you to get um, corrupted by the title like Roman has. <laughs> and I was doing a favor for you. It was really convoluted, yeah, and it was um, – anyway. This simplifies the story. Jimmy cost Jay his first singles title win. You know, And you can make mention of all that other stuff, but you needed something to reignite the feud if they are going to head towards WrestleMania for it, and it looks like they are, and I thought this, this was effectively done. Um, the match was great. I felt like it was like maybe, maybe my favorite 
Jimmy Uso, sorry, Jay Uso singles match, at least of this current run. And, and, you know, Gunther is just the level of performer that is able to, I think, drag that out, out of you. The David Goliath aspect, again, here really amplified, I think, the great level of crowd interaction that Jay already um, provoked. And the intensity was off the charts and, you know, good angle at the end as well. So what do you think? Well, when they put together the pristine WrestleMania video package and you have Jay Uso stating, there's still people that can't tell us apart. I want them to take this clip of Way saying, I thought this was Jimmy Uso. I mean, Jay Uso's best singles match. <laughs> He's got to be able to emphasize uh, the, the the difference here. No, it was, it was, it was a very good match. Uh, I, I thought as well. I thought that the, uh, the near falls were good. I, I wasn't crazy about the finish, but it was... Um, it's getting you to the direction that you want to get to with Jay and Jimmy. And, um, you know, watch, watching this, it was, um, you know, I, when they set this program up, I, I looked at Jay as, is, is it someone like that? You, you put the belt on, even if you were going this Jimmy direction, like these two having a match for a singles belt is kind of compelling as well, but this is also one that doesn't need it. Um, it but I still think that- like the clock should be ticking on Gunther. Like you should be, like whether it's Sammy, whether it's Braun Breaker, um, whether it's Chad Gable, like just I think now it's you not, need to... it's not going to be Chad Gable. There's no way he just well, beat Ivar after after struggling to to beat Ivar for his, three his months. Vision is clear, okay. His pathway <laughs> is straight, okay. He's he's got to find his pathway to I, WrestleMania now. I, but, um, I I just don't think I don't think like Gable so far like you know down down the card right now um could be Sammy. I I personally I think it, it's more likely that it's Braun. Um, well, it could be. It could be. He's on SmackDown now. How? 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 After we just watched this, I mean, the man almost got arrested coming onto Raw with Jimmy Uso. I mean, how, could, how did point. he do a, a SmackDown talent? You're right. I don't know. Hmm. So there you go. That was Raw from the Honda Center, and a, fair, a fairly um, substantial edition of Raw. I thought it was a really hot show. I mean, you know, they they constantly mention what is it, thirteen thousand people in attendance, and. It sounded like it, you know, really, really hot crowd. And um, I thought they had some uh, at least two like very good matches to start and to close uh, uh, the show. Um, and just like, you know, like pretty typical build, I would say, for the rest of the Elimination Chamber matches. Um, Michael Chandler popping a vein, talking about Conor McGregor. Might have popped a few veins in that mm-hmm. promo. And could yeah. have lost a shirt on top of it. So, yes, that was uh, that was raw from Monday night, and we'll open it up to any super chats, feedback. If you want to weigh in on what what you saw tonight on Raw or any other stories that are circulating, the floor is yours. Slim Sieber sends a super chat of five dollars. Thank you, Slim. He says, "Do you see any more matches being added? I know the Waller Effect segment will probably go long, but four matches for a stadium show seems kind of weak." Um, the Grayson Waller effect. Um, I'm sure it will go long. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're in the habit of just, you know, just ballooning up these, these, these events to be, you know, gargantuan sized events, but I, four matches, they will still squeeze this into three hours. I, I am sure like this will be a three hour show, um, with Grayson Waller effect in there, which I mean, you would think like that is issuing the challenge for the tag match and Cody finally taking on Seth as his, as his shield uh, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah. I don't see them adding any more matches cause there really isn't the, they just don't seem to be hinting at anything else that you would add. I think we are going to get a four match show. 
I think any matches that they add on at this point would just be filler. And I almost get the sense like that this company understands that um, less is more now, which is crazy to say, considering they used to put in on like, you know, I don't know, like seven hour card long cards. Um, but you look at like, the like that men's chamber match is probably going to be a 45 minute match. I'm so not look- exaggerating. The Royal Rumble also was in a stadium, and it also had four matches. It didn't even have that, um, at least an advertised talking. Did it have a talking segment in between? I'm trying to remember. Oh, man. Off my head, I don't think so. It's been... <laughs> anyway, but both chamber matches are, are going to go very long. You have a talking segment that's also going to potentially go very long. That's... And all the commercials, you know, in between, and, and video packages. That's That's three hours already. How long does Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax go? Longer than 15 minutes. Hmm. Um, I'm going to say uh, 10 to 15. That would be in the range of mm. where, where I would go. All right. We have a few pieces of feedback here. Um, let's start off with uh, Manny from Pacoima, a solid raw that kicked off with a hot match at the House of Mouse. It was great to see Gunther cut a promo from the GCW alleyway locker room at the Ukrainian Cultural Center here in L.A. Truth once again proved he's comedy gold. Free Nick Mysterio. Uh, Mike Bailey and Elijah had a great match at Revolver. Uh, what a show. With the appearances of Velveteen Dream, I want to ask a question. AAA has been booking Marty Skrull on their shows, but don't advertise their shows on any of their social media. Do you think that makes them look bad as a company, or is it simply a case of if no one really knows, then it's not that big of a deal? And if CMLL were to send Tessa Blanchard to AEW, would the AEW audience react to it as well? Chop tease. Okay. Um, okay, so in the, in those senses, yeah, like AAA has been utilizing Marty Skrull of late. They're also booking uh, Alberto del rio el patron as well Mm. again um i think it's like my thing is allow your consumer to make that decision if you are going to be selling tickets for an an event um i think that if you're using a marty squirrel that it should be promoted like if you remember like it like new japan took a lot of heat for the way they tried to use him on back in 2021 when they were doing like the closed door uh, tapings and it ended up where there was so much blowback to that, that they ended up not continuing to use him and edited him off that, that show when they, they came back as well. Um, Tessa Blanchard. I, I think that's a really different case um, where it's like, I'm just not putting that in in the same level of some of the other um, accusations. Yes. There are some that I think would have, uh, issue with Tessa Blanchard being utilized, but I just I just look at it as something uh, very different and one where I mean it's I I just I, I don't equate it to the same things that are being accused of some of these other people. I guess I I ask like what what are these promo- promotions gaining by hiring these controversial acts that they continue to do so despite you know, risking backlash. Like the, to the the, point- there are people that I think they feel like they're, they're names. And if you have a, a but name, if you're not promoting them, then what, what, what benefit is a name? Well, I mean, in the case of like, it's, it's like, this is like on social media, they are still like utilizing them. They're, they're talents that they're believing. Like there is a value in, in using them. Um, yeah. I suppose you could not, uh, and, uh, and some, some of the reactions might be sort of localized too, you know, um, we're not talking about American promotions here or sorry, like not in the case of, a of, of a triple a, um, 
every case is different when we're talking about you know the, the, these these people um that that we're talking about right so um it's hard to make a blanket statement of like you know what should be done because uh, i think everyone de- deserves its own sort of um level of scrutiny um i think ultimately audiences should be voting with their wallets like you know you might book somebody a promotion that you go to might book somebody that you're not a fan of then it's up to like whether or not they advertise it i i feel like the audience should let them know by not buying a ticket the next time yeah that's it like you're not gonna have um a uniform response like there are some that are not going to have that um that that issue but i think that's the fairest way is just you put someone on and if you're a promoter um this person is either going to enhance your business hurt your business or will be of no difference and then you have to make that decision as a promoter but i mean that like that is where you do have especially at like the independent level whereas you are the consumer you get to make a statement that you are going to support them or not like if if you are someone that goes to a local indie and you don't want to see some performer um, book that you have a uh, an issue over, and you and your five friends decide we're not going to go, and this is a place that draws like 300 people, okay, it's like five people opting not to go. It's not going to like destroy a show, but it's it's nonetheless, it's, it, it's a lot more power than, say, a WWE or an AEW booking someone, and you feel like my my buying a ticket or not is not really going to convey any kind of strong message if there are not numbers um that that agree with my stance hmm. so right. anyway let's go up next to muggin who says anaheim was fiery from start to finish raw was bookended strongly with drew cody and jake gunther but the damn bloodline happened there was callbacks in the opener's finisher to WrestleMania last year, and Drew's slight hesitation about the chaos working in his favor for once could mean that he could be the difference maker to the Code Mengers. Well, it's, it's not to help Cody, but to get back at Roman and Co. And it was easy to see the Jimmy interference coming. The two matches were damn good despite that. I'm so ready for a future where the bloodline doesn't plague another match again. The road to Philly got a lot bumpier. The drone shots and different camera camera angles are a godsend. I love the newer looks production-wise. All right. And then uh, Annie here is the last one. This roster is a flush with good talkers, and I feel Raw's been the show with the best promos over the last four to five months. They've even taken a page out of AEW's book and started doing more two- to three-minute backstage interviews, which are consistently good and a huge upgrade on the invisible camera stuff. Sammy, Drew, Gunther, and New Day all had strong promo work. Sammy's promo was the best, juxtaposing his journey with that of Drew, who was swallowed by obsession. Unfortunately, the Elimination Chamber build segment snuck into my 90-minute cut of Raw, and it stood in stark contrast to the rest as it was quite robotic. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, everyone, for the feedback and uh, weighing in on tonight's show and other topics. Again, we are going to be back later on this week. You can post feedback on the forum for WrestleMania 24. That will be out Thursday for members at postwrestlingcafe.com. And Tuesday, what do you have coming up with? We have the next edition of the Wellness Policy, 3 p.m. Eastern Time at YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling. Jordan, Neil, and myself will be talking about our love of professional wrestling. So um, we we usually are a podcast that doesn't talk about wrestling. That's a part of a pro, pro, post wrestling, pro wrestling network. But this is all going to be about just our fandom of pro wrestling. So, yeah. Looking forward to it. Always a fun time on the Wellness Policy. Until next time, we will speak with you on Wednesday, and thank you for tuning in to Rewind to Raw.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.